And I don't know where that originated, if people who are collectors were like, this is going to be worth a thing, or if Beanie, Big Beanie Baby was like, <laughs> you need to save I these and buy like as a, many as possible. I just pictured like <laughs> a literal huge Beanie Baby. Live, laugh, listen at your own yeah, we're doing it. We're this is great, and I mean we're by we're by coastal now, so this oh is fantastic. Oh my gosh, I know. Look at us. This is so great. Um, but this is at your own risk, a survival comedy podcast hosted by us. I'm Dana Drew. I can't stop thinking about my inevitable death. And I'm Sarah Bassey, and I'm horrified of living my day to day life. So each week, Sarah teaches us how to overcome daily anxieties, improve our lives, uh, and then we'll swap off and I teach us some survival tips for real life or death situations. Yeah, and we're basically here to just validate each other's fears of life and death and learn those survival tips to prepare for like worst case scenarios. But last week was really fun and the week before that because we shared an interview with you that we did even before we launched At Your Own Risk. Um, and it was with our dear friends at uh, Go Help Yourself, Lisa and Misty. Yeah, that was so fun. And it was like, I was nervous about that because we recorded it so long ago and I knew that I was going to be like, Dana, calm down. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, a lot that, of nervous like, energy. Yeah, and that, like, our audio probably wasn't great. Like, the setup was, like, definitely not ideal, and it was, like, multiple audios, so I think we had some, like, nervousness about that. Um, but it was really uh, encouraging to see, like, how much better we've gotten and how we've really found our groove and, like, really, like, settled into, a th- like, a theme. Uh, yeah. Or just our our vision of this podcast was so different even just a few months ago. Yeah, it was so great. And I really loved, like, now we're 10 episodes in, like, including the minis, which is wild. And this is, I think, our 11th. And I think was just such a breath of fresh air. And I hope their positivity, like, helped all of our listeners, too. I know. They're just the sweetest. And they're it reinvigorated my, like, want to binge their podcast, too. Because I feel yes. like I haven't been making time for like podcasts a ton in general or like haven't had the same amount of time I usually do because I've been traveling and it really like made me um like really jazzed about them yeah I totally agree and Dana today your voice sounds so good oh me why it's because I got a voice transplant Uh, new vocal cords. Yeah, and I bought it from Best Buy. Um, yeah, we got uh, we got new uh, mics, which was like a big investment for us. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like the last few weeks we we had some ups and downs with like some podcast stuff in general, and like it really made me feel like I definitely want to do this. I'm definitely really excited about it. Like uh, I I think we're really figuring it out, and I'm definitely really excited about it. And I was really pumped to get this mic. So we got new mics. They should be crisper, mm-hmm. cleaner. Um, part of mine didn't arrive on time. <laughs> so um, I'm recording in my mother's basement. Yeah, uh, and she kidnapped a member of the USPS. So. <laughs> um, and hopefully my, like, uh, peas aren't popping too much. Um, but if they are, apologies. That will be fixed next episode. Um, but yeah, these things are dope. I'm really excited about it. Yeah. And speaking of peas, uh, you know how we afforded these mics? Our Tell me. Patreon. <laughs> and I hope that P in Patreon was extra poppy. Um, but yeah, we're just so thankful um, for our Patreons out there. And please considering joining for as little as $3 a month. If you want to make a one-time donation, you can also do so on either Dana or I's Venmo. Mine is at pay-bassy. Um, and Dana, what's yours? Oh, mine's just at Dana Droodles. Um, I use that for everything. <laughs> um, and but- just indicate... Uh, that it's for the podcast and you know every little bit goes a really long way turns out podcasts are really expensive to make it happen and you know these mics are just one piece of the puzzle and so we really appreciate people believing in us and in the project and thank you for helping make this happen yeah I really can't stress enough how much being a patreon or donating is is valuable um if anything, it's like good for morale too, and uh, and really nice to have a community that we're building and like be able to kind of bucket people who are really into the podcast and communicate with them and have some perks for them down the line. And uh, I I'm really excited to like bulk up our Patreon as we get more people too. Like right now, if we have like five people. <laughs> 
<laughs> so there's not a whole lot we can do for them that would be like really fun. Um, but like as we grow, I'm definitely really excited to um, like make that a really fun part of what we do. So get in on the ground floor. Yeah, get in early while you can because who knows what's going to happen in the future. <laughs> who knows? We, we don't. might all be dead. <laughs> I know. It's so funny. Every time I talk about like a future goal on this podcast, I'm like, LOL. Now we're going to learn about like how we're going to die and those goals won't matter. But uh, this week, we're not going to talk about dying. People died a long time ago, but this is a little death, a little <laughs> less death and a little more uh, brain fuckery. So, um, Dana, as you know, I just went back to the East Coast, um, and you're on the East Coast. You're in a basement right now on the East Coast. Which is what the East Coast is all about. They love those basements. (laughs) Seriously, the humidity is so bad, everyone needs a basement Mm -hmm. to just, like, be better in. (laughs) Um, But I grew up in upstate New York, and my parents still live in my childhood home, which is, like, a gift and a curse. Um, It's a gift because, you know, I love my house, and there are so many great memories there. Um, I know where all the snacks are, but uh, the past few times I've been home, like, I haven't slept in my childhood bedroom because I feel weird about it. I don't know if that happens to you at all. Yeah. I just, like, I have really weird dreams. I feel (laughs) anxious, and I get, like, flooded with, like, memories. from my it's not haunted it's more like I am my brain is haunted from my own past (laughs) (laughs) but like I don't sleep in there because I kind of feel weird about it and I get like memories from my tween years so like I've been sleeping in my parents like guest room um but I wanted to do some digging into that like joyful yet awful feeling you get um when you like long for and remember a certain time so today we're gonna talk about sweet and oh-so-cruel nostalgia. So, if you listen to our podcast, and here you are, listening to our podcast, you're well aware that we love our pets, which is why we are absolutely thrilled to be sponsored by Pretty Litter. Okay, so for real, Dana, Pretty Litter is an absolute game changer. Being a millennial, my apartment is pretty small, and now that I work from home, my space is extra important to me. So, the smell from George's litter box can be, like, truly lethal (laughs) and mood altering to say the least but ever since Pretty Litter sent me a month's supply of their special formula it's like George doesn't even poop in the closet next to my desk (laughs) plus their formula is made to reduce litter dust and not aggravate allergies which we all know is a great way to avoid getting a life changing parasite as someone who is always fearing worst case scenarios and doing everything I can to prepare for them do you know what my favorite part of Pretty Litter is oh my gosh what your face right now I can't (laughs) so Pretty Litter actually actually changes colors to help detect early signs of potential illness in your cat. So like urinary tract infection, kidney issues, like the litter actually changes colors to let you know about this early on. Uh, And when I found that out, I was like, okay, so this litter was legit (laughs) made for George because like most cats, he's pretty famous for hiding that he's sick until it's really serious and ruins Sarah's life. And (laughs) uh, especially for male cats, UTIs can be really, really serious. And all of these issues can be predicted ahead of time if you use Pretty Litter. So they can help you save your pet's life or at the very least catch an illness before it like balloons into a major issue that costs you a small fortune at the emergency vet. Absolutely. And Dana, having the peace of mind that my litter is not only keeping our house clean and tidy, but also helping me keep an eye on George's health more closely, um, it just means the world to me. And did we mention that it ships for free to your doorstep and is somehow in a very lightweight, easy to store bag compared to other heavy bulky cat litter bags like I'm so sick of walking home from the grocery store with those boxes of kitty litter and it feels like I'm cutting off my fingers so it really can't get any better than this well Sarah it can get better because Pretty Litter (laughs) is offering our listeners 20% off their first month supply of Pretty Litter if you plug in our special code and that code is AYOR at checkout and not only will that change our listeners lives but it will also help support the podcast So what a win-win. Again, use code AYOR at checkout for 20% off your first month of Pretty Litter today. Love you. We love you and your cats. Uh, bye. Bye. Oh my gosh. Okay, so I'm really pumped and I'm really glad that you decided to like bite the bullet and look into this because I know it's like a little like tangential to what we normally do, which is like 
more advice centric. Um, but yeah. I'm really excited to see because I know that you totally brought some advice in here. Um, I'm like very excited to learn about this because I agree that like when I think back on growing up or whenever I visit home, like it's like very bittersweet. Like there are a lot of like you know, like shitty memories and shitty experiences. And like, I have a pretty complicated home life. But at the same time, when I think about like Dunkaroos, I'm like filled with so much pure bliss. Um, (laughs) I'm laughing so hard because the amount of times I wrote Dunkaroos into these notes is out of this world. So So like my nostalgia is pretty snack based, um, personally. Uh, But but yeah, I think uh, I'm definitely interested in in why our generation in particular seems to be more nostalgic than others, or at least the internet and like being able to communicate about it exaggerates the feelings um, and the trends that are going on and, and just how like absolutely out of control the nostalgia feels lately. Absolutely. Um, and I don't know if it's because my like uh, algorithm was like catching on to us or not, um, but I've just been getting so many nostalgia centric like TikToks and Instagram posts, and I'm sure it's because we're being watched. But if it's not, it's like <laughs> definitely top of mind for people right now specifically. So yet again, we're accidentally uh, on t- on point. What's the word? <laughs> we are we are on we are track on with the times. <laughs> We are on point. Um, also, I feel the need to address that um, I'm in a basement and the dogs are being fed right now. And it sounds like the herd of buffalo that killed Mufasa is above me. So I really hope you can't oh my hear God. it with our new fancy mics. But I can't hear if you. Do it at all. that's what's happening? Um, Love it. And you're right next to a pipe, so if someone poops, we'll hear it. Yeah, when we were, like, practicing, this, like, enormous, like, tube just started making noise um, behind me. Honestly, like, I I would so much rather pause for poop than pause for plane, so I'm I'm thrilled. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, so tell me all about it. Let's dive in. I am amped. Everything that you said is totally true. So nostalgia is all around us, especially lately, um, and it's also being sold to us. Um, And I feel, like, very in touch and connected to my 90s baby self, and I can't tell (laughs) if it's because, like, I'm very ill or if it's, like, a fear response to the wrinkles on my forehead um, (laughs) that look like a a Sharpay's back. So So I'm not sure. I think it's, like, a little bit of both, but my first memory of, like, understanding nostalgia nostalgia or like thinking I was nostalgic in some way was after my first big breakup in high school and I remember I posted a Facebook status about it um and I posted a quote from Mad Men and like what me because like fuck Don Draper but like also John Hamm can get it like whenever he wants he lives um, in my neighborhood oh my god let's go we'll find him and Chris and I are always like we should find him and become best friends with him because obviously that's what celebrities want Yep, and that's what both cheeks are for, a kiss from either of you. Um, Those cute, cute dimples, like, kill me. When I posted this on Facebook, I was so devastated. Um, And in season one, episode 13, titled The Wheel, he's doing a pitch, and he's trying to sell this Kodak projector to a room full of people. And he says, nostalgia means the pain from an old wound. It's a twinge in your heart, far more powerful than memory alone. And I thought for sure that was going to win him. Yeah, back. I was just going to say. Sure did and not. then your ex boyfriend was like, "Oh my god, she's so deep." Yeah, I and then he his... posted a Dave Matthews lyric, and it was about someone else. So, <laughs> <laughs> are you sure this wasn't MySpace? This has some serious MySpace vibes. Oh my god, I can't even think about that. Like my face is red just thinking about it. Or maybe I'm just having a heat stroke in this closet that I'm recording from. <laughs> Um, But, yeah, so we're going to get into everything that you discussed, um, but we're going to start out with the origins of nostalgia and then our modern interpretation of the word and then why it's so prevalent in marketing, especially aimed towards our generation, like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, we'll figure out if it's a good or bad thing um, and how to survive it, because I think there's two schools of thought on whether nostalgia is a good thing or a bad thing. And so I think we'll dive into all of that and figure out how to navigate it, whether you think it's good or bad. Hell yeah. I also feel like uh, as consumers, we kind of expect things to just like happen to us and we're yeah. like, don't feel like we have control over it. But you have a lot of control over the stuff you consume 
and uh, and how much of it you buy into and care about and uh, noticing how you're being manipulated. So yeah, and like, like how many chokers you buy, <laughs> like yeah, that's how many little beads you buy control. to make bracelets. Dude, don't even get me started. It's out of control. It's out but, of yeah, control. I'm really excited because I, I think like uh, in a in a, a very specific way, this is also about how like brands can like trick you into feeling. So I'm absolutely to learn more about it and hate on them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um. So we'll start with the modern definition of nostalgia, which is a sentimental longing or wistful affection for the past, typically for a period or place with happy personal associations. Um. But the word nostalgia comes from the Greek root words nostos, meaning homecoming, and algos, meaning pain or longing. Um. And the Neo Latin translation means a return home. So, 17th century medical student uh, Johannes Hofer noticed an illness in Swiss mercenaries and he's the one who actually coined this term. So he created the word nostalgia, which is kind of dope that it's stuck around for that long. Thanks, Johan. Yeah, Johan's the man and we're going to talk about him a lot um, because he identified symptoms um, in these soldiers and he noticed fatigue, insomnia, irregular heartbeat, indigestion, fevers, cardiac arrest, malnutrition, brain inflammation, and hallucinations. And when I say hallucinations, I usually mean people reporting hearing voices or like seeing, quote, ghosts of the people that they were missing. Oh, my God. Yeah. And these soldiers were often like discharged for this. So they were like allowed to go home. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Oh my God. That's so funny. Cause of death haunted by the past. I hope that's how I go. (laughs) It's definitely how we go. But yeah, so like I said, a lot of these soldiers were discharged um, because a lot of these symptoms were manifesting in like a very physical sense. So it wasn't just something that was happening in their minds. It was something that was really affecting their performance and ability to live um, their day-to-day life and perform their duties. So originally, this is really funny, that people thought it was only Swiss people. They thought that the cowbells in the Alps (laughs) caused trauma to the eardrums and injured their brain. (laughs) Okay, so like, I got to give them credit. That seems more like advanced Yes. Than you would th- think? Yes. When was... So wait, remind me when this was? Like how long so ago? So this is like the 17th century. Okay. I feel like they were like throwing shit in the street. So this seems yeah. advanced. <laughs> like they're shitting in a bucket and they also are considering mental health like, a Yeah, exactly. Bit. <laughs> <laughs> so basically to combat this, people were like, okay, when the soldiers go away, they're not allowed to sing Swiss songs from the motherland because the commanders were afraid the soldiers were going to desert or, like, kill themselves. And ironically, the singing of these particular songs was punishable by death. So you're either dying because you sang the songs and you're so nostalgic that you killed yourself, or you sang the song and your commander was like, shut the fuck up, I'm going to kill you. What? Okay. Yes. Okay, so I take back what I said about mental health (laughs) yeah they clearly did not understand yeah no they didn't understand it they were curious about it but they didn't understand it um and i wrote i was like lol i have so many songs stuck in my head at at all times i would have been buried alive like years ago i'm just constantly singing stupid shit that i'm i'm just narrating (laughs) my life via song so yeah i would also have been toast (laughs) yeah so basically early on they thought that anything could trigger a nostalgic episode so moving (laughs) into the 18th and 19th centuries some of the documented reasons included too lenient and education coming from the mountains which is very funny i don't know if it's an altitude thing or what unfulfilled ambition masturbation Eating unusual food and love. Great. I mean, this sounds kind of like <laughs> a like my answers to um, like if a dating app were to ask me like what do you do in your spare time. <laughs> yeah, totally. And so you're just living in a pit of nostalgia. While Hofer coined the term nostalgia as a concept, dates back even further to the Thirty Years' War, where at least six soldiers were discharged from the Spanish army um, with what they called el mal de corazón, which means the evil of the heart. So, like, imagine going to the doctor and they're like, 
sorry, you have evil of the heart. Yeah, you're like, sometimes I think about my past and I miss my mom. And they're like, mm, evil heart. <laughs> sorry, I know. gotta so- kill you now. <laughs> Yeah, they literally, at, at least this time, they just sent them home. They weren't like, we're going to chop your head off for thinking about your mom. Like, they were like, okay, you can just, like, go home. Um, <laughs> to your and mom. So the, yeah, and so then the French also experienced this phenomenon, and it was actually the most studied affliction, second only to hysteria. So French doctor uh, Jordan Le Conte, I think, uh, thought nostalgia should be treated by inciting pain and terror. What the fuck? So Jordan sounds like a real dick. Also, like, I feel like French history is, like, low-key horrifying. Like, you think of France, and if you haven't studied it much, you're like, oh, France is, like, fun and romantic and there's food. But they're, like, so (laughs) bloodthirsty. (laughs) Yes. So, like, so this guy said that, and then the treatments for nostalgia for French soldiers um, included leeching, purging of the stomach, Opium, snake oil, crystals, motivational gurus, and in some instances, burying them alive. This sounds like what went. This sounds like when people are like, uh, Dana. I know you get migraines a lot. Have you tried? Have you tried <laughs> leaching, purging your stomach? Opium, snake oils, crystals, <laughs> um, being buried alive, drinking water. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, fucking, I have. And I love that. Like, the <laughs> options vary from crystals like holding a stone yeah to being put inside the earth while you're still breathing yeah and and i have to say you didn't explain what would happen after that like are you just there forever because i guess that would fall death (laughs) (laughs) yeah the the success rate yeah (laughs) the success rate is very high when you're buried alive awesome But yeah, so in a very funny, funny article by Julie Beck, she wrote that an American military doctor, Theodore Calhoun, thought nostalgia was something to be ashamed of, and those who suffered from it were unmanly and weak-willed, and he proposed curing it with a healthy dose of public ridicule and bullying. Oh my god, toxic masculinity at its best. At its finest. And then Julie wrote, maybe this is why most people don't feel nostalgic about middle school. Oh my god. (laughs) Julie! (laughs) But so what started with the Swiss, you can really see how it started to spread across the globe. As more people began to travel, migration increased, and immigration was a thing. So nostalgia became uh, more and more prevalent. Psychologists even dubbed it immigrant psychosis was like the next kind of phase of what they called it. Yeah. Um, And the coolest thing that I found by doing this research is that nostalgia is a universal feeling and something that really connects all of us. Um, People discovered that like no matter where you are from, this twinge that you get of longing could really bubble to the surface like no matter your background, which I think is really kind of beautiful. It is. It's really sweet. And then in the 20th century, nostalgia transitioned from being considered a neurological disease to being like a mental condition classified similarly to depression. So we started to realize what we originally classified as nostalgia was manifesting itself in the form of depression, schizophrenia, PTSD, or something called lethal catatonia, which is an extreme psychotic excitement. So if it's persistent, it can lead to like fever, exhaustion, and death, which is pretty wild. Wow. Yeah. But over time, nostalgia came to be understood as something much bigger. So like... Don't worry, missing your beanie baby from your childhood is not going to kill you. Um, (laughs) It's just a longing for the past and past experiences. So instead of being this massive illness or condition, it's more attributed to something more touching and moving and kind of fleeting. Totally. And, like, let's be real, none of us are missing our beanie babies because they're all right next to us, perfectly preserved in a clear bucket. (laughs) And they're going to make us millions of dollars. Yep, a clear acrylic box that yep. they told me I needed to buy, yep. um, and none of them are worth anything anymore, so <laughs> great. Talk about, like, a genius uh, marketing move. I know. Be- Beanie Babies don't get enough cred for how, like, fucked up that was. Yes, like, they really should have, like, I, and I don't know where that originated, if people who are collectors were like, this is going to be worth a thing, or if Bean- Big Beanie Baby was like... <laughs> You need to save these and buy as many as possible. Just pictured like a literal huge beanie baby, like in the sky. God is a beanie baby. Yeah, the CEO is a big ass beanie baby. Basically, what I'm trying to get at is that science 
happened. And we realized that nostalgia is a really complex human emotion that doesn't skew overtly negative. So the symptoms that we found in the 17th century were just correlated with nostalgia rather than being caused by it. And as we move into the modern era, we started to figure out that feelings of nostalgia actually have a lot of positive side effects. So transitioning into the 20th century, we're realizing that this is an emotion that we didn't yet have a name for. So nostalgia, like I said before, was this feeling that people collectively experienced, but we couldn't quite find the words to describe it. Um, When your world is like changing and evolving and moving, it's only natural that we hold on to one thing that's constant, and that is the past. So there's nothing unexpected in the past. We've lived it. Unless you have like repressed memories or something, the past is something that we can always go back to, which is really cool. And like you – to some extent have a choice of how you remember things and misremember things and I feel that that was like such a huge part of my college education was like that word of mouth stuff is such um so unreliable which is just because people's memories are like totally not accurate absolutely and I think that's the difference between well and we'll get into this as well but that's the difference between depression And nostalgia. Nostalgia tends to have this rose-colored glasses Mm -hmm. kind of feeling to memories, um, which is really fascinating. Um, And it's actually a human response to change new environments and aging. Yeah. So a more modern understanding of nostalgia has made us realize that it doesn't cause emotional distress. It can actually be the cure for it. So nostalgia is a gateway to remembering the things that matter to you and experiences that were really rewarding, memorable, or like monumental to your growth. So mm-hmm. tapping into that can really make you feel at peace and restore your well-being, totally. which is very cool. Yeah, I feel like for me, a lot of it too is like uh, it. the current moment always feels so complicated. And then when you can look back at kind of, or you already said this, but like you can look back and it feels simple because it's already happened and it's like very black and white of like what ended up happening and then people like us are just in the current moment kind of overwhelmed by all the things that could happen or might happen or are going to happen. And looking back at the past feels like comforting because you you're like, oh, that was so much simpler. (laughs) But like in the moment, it wasn't. But like you long for it as if it was. But like when you actually put any any brain power behind it, you can recognize that it wasn't simpler at all absolutely Um, but yeah I it's it's even like a few weeks ago I feel like you can look back and be like oh yeah that's like the most fascinating thing about it to me is that nostalgia can even be like a like a short closed loop like that where like you could be on vacation and on your way home and nostalgic for the way that Mm -hmm, you felt mm -hmm. you know in the tourism industry they call it the afterglow (laughs) oh my gosh you have to try to capture people's afterglow of their like uh traveling so that you can get them to do it again to your point this is a great transition because that is a very specific marketing technique that your company used And we see nostalgia present in modern marketing now more than ever before. And again, to go back to Mad Men, which again, I hate myself, but I think (laughs) I love the episode The Wheel so much because it was really when I fell in love with marketing and to use emotion to tell a story, not just sell a product. Mm -hmm. So when Don is selling that projector, he loads it up with photos of his family, etc. And so he's crafting a story. Um, He says, this device isn't a spaceship, it's a time machine. It goes backwards, forwards, it takes us to a place where we ache to go again. So he's using nostalgia as a mechanism to sell the features and benefits of a product to pull at your heartstrings. And he, I can't even remember the name of the character, but like this dude cried and I was like, oh my God, Don made this guy cry and how emotional. And it's like, yeah, no fucking shit. Like he's showing you pictures of his family. This is a very um, incredibly powerful tactic that advertisers have really tapped into wow yeah even that sentence really got me that it takes us to a place where we ache to go again it's like oh mm-hmm. god i know right you can see why <sighs> i quoted it on facebook <laughs> <laughs> 2010 sarah was affected yeah seriously but yeah like i said this is an incredibly powerful uh 
marketing technique and advertisers have really tapped into how successful nostalgia is as a marketing technique. And currently, it feels like nostalgia is everywhere for us, like 90s nostalgia to mid 2000s. Um, It is all over TikTok. It feels like Gen Z is embracing this resurgence of our favorite trends. So like, grab your chokers, slap bracelets, your Tamagotchis, because we're about to talk about why millennials and 2021 marketing culture is so fucking effective. Oh, God. Okay, I'm fucking ready. So in advertising, tapping into our memories to sell us shit actually has a name. It's called nostalgia marketing. Great. This is something that's <laughs> pretty like, on the nose. <laughs> yeah, pretty pretty one for one. Um, Could have guessed that that's what it was called. But I love the fact that it's something that advertisers um, and people in the marketing community like actually use on a regular basis as like a touch point. So what makes successful nostalgia marketing stand out is like the coupling of a nostalgic memory or a product and then marrying that with modern relevance or technology. So like Pokemon Go is like a really great example Mm, of this where you had Pokemon as like that sweet chef's kiss of nostalgia with the development of the app and interactivity as that like modern hook. So that duality is really imperative to successful nostalgia marketing. Yeah. And if this is ever being listened to by somebody who has um, skills and power, I would like more Nancy Drew (laughs) games for the for like a Mac iOS situation or yeah, I just like generally need more of that in my life. Uh, oh my god! Yeah, I feel like I've thought of so many of these things that I like cannot believe people haven't um, capitalized on. I thought, I thought, oh shit! I thought of one the other day that I was like, honestly, I feel like I want to do this. Oh, it was um, oh, buckle up, Sarah. <laughs> This is a million dollar idea. And TM, TM. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Um, So, uh, you know how they have like karaoke restaurants where you like go into rooms and like can do private karaoke? I'm thinking Blockbuster. You go into like a lobby and it's like an old video rental situation and you get like, it like looks like the 90s and it's like you pick out um, a movie, but there's only like one or two of each movie (laughs) and uh, and then you get snacks and then you can go with your friends into like these movie rooms and like, oh my God, and like use a VHS like player and like you have to rewind at the end um yeah be kind rewind yeah baby. yeah and like the whole thing and maybe there's like other like 90s shit like in the rooms i just feel like that would do really well in like brooklyn yes absolutely i would go there in a fucking heartbeat yeah that i mean it probably incredible. wouldn't be popular for more than like a second unless you made it like crazy instagrammable but maybe it's good pop-up oh yeah a really good pop-up yeah it could be like a traveling van and you're like come watch this vhs in my van <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah, perfect. Great. Let's go get a van. Yep, copyright, TM. (laughs) But, yeah, so, like I said, that modern hook piece, I think, is so important. So... I think it's super transparent and very inauthentic when brands try to bring something nostalgic back without, like, something new and exciting attached to it. Like, yeah. I think we've all seen it. We know what it looks like. It's really cringy. Um, it just feels really out of touch. And I, I was like, Gen Z will not care. They won't care. So it needs to be coupled with something cool, new, and fresh, um, be that celebrity talent or some sort of tech advancement. So, like, if Olivia Rodrigo sticks a Lisa Frank sticker on her face, oh like, you're good God. to go. But, like, they're re- Rebooting iCarly, like, we're probably going to be the only people watching that. Oh, my God. I'm hype on it, but we're going to be the only people watching it. I didn't know they were doing that. Remember when they oh, were yeah. trying to reboot Lizzie McGuire and then Hilary Duff was like, the integrity of uh, Lizzie isn't up to snuff for me. Like, I don't feel like her character's development is, like, realistic to Lizzie, so I'm not doing it. And then they pulled the plug on the whole fucking thing. And I was like, honestly, Hilary Duff for president. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I think something you brought up earlier, which is really interesting, is why does this tactic work so well for millennials specifically? And this is for a few reasons. So (laughs) mainly because we're so sad. Sad. So sad. So sad. Uh, So like with student loans, like the sociopolitical climate, pressures of social media and the digital age, like not being able to buy a house or afford rent. Uh um, Yeah. Honestly, like giving us the ability 
to buy Dunkaroos will give us the smallest hit of dopamine and reminds us of a much simpler time. Oh, my God. Like, to bring me back to when I was trading my favorite gel pen for string cheese. Like, I know. that's what I want. I know. I feel like, um, so there was, like, the greatest generation were, first of all, definitely the saddest generation. Um, that should be really what millennials are called. Uh, <laughs> but also, I feel like, um, maybe you'll get into this, and I don't mean to jump ahead, but... I feel like other generations have had so much promise for the future um, that we just don't feel anymore. I no longer feel Mm -hmm. particularly positive or excited about what's to come for myself and humanity. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So thinking about gel pens is truly like (laughs) therapy. Absolutely. (laughs) No, you're you're totally right. And like... I didn't dive into that too much, but that came up in a ton of research where it's like millennials, like not being able to look forward to like buying a house Mm -hmm. or like the climate falling apart. Like Mm -hmm. these are all things that contribute to us not having a positive outlook on the future or in the present, which makes us deflect back to the past. So that is very, very true. Totally. And I'm also like, yeah, I'm like when I was collecting gel pens, I was like, one day I'm going to have four dogs and two kids. And right now I'm like, (laughs) okay, zero zero kids um, Mm -hmm. and the most abused dogs I can find. And (laughs) I'm like, things are changing. My plans are changing. Yeah. We all lied to us ourselves so hard when we played MASH and we were like, I'm going to have a mansion and I'm going to marry Justin Timberlake and I'm going to have a million billion dollars. That's so funny. Sarah, MASH is like the root of all of our neuroses. Yeah, and this is why this is why we're so depressed because our biggest hopes and dreams are just never going to happen. Yeah. Great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you take anything away from this episode. <laughs> End of podcast. Um but I also another big reason that this works on us so well and why it works on people in general is because people are narcissists and I'm not saying this to be like a dick, but like mm-hmm. anything that offers an opportunity to share old photos of ourselves mm-hmm. um make us feel like we're part of something bigger than ourselves, mm-hmm. like TBT campaigns that talk about old experiences. We want to feel like we played a role in this larger movement and that we matter. Totally. I I, I also like outside of just myself do really enjoy like seeing like pictures of my friends when I didn't know them yet or like um, my boy Chris's mom just sent us like a little clip of him and his brother playing when they were little and it was like truly the funniest thing I've ever seen. Like so cute. I feel like I have nostalgia for like people who I didn't know at those times or like my best friends even to now that I did know when I was little like when you were like we should find photos and stuff of ourselves I was like fuck I really feel like I didn't like take a ton of pictures or do anything like that until like later in high school and I wish I did because I have like two pictures of me and my best friend but like yeah I look back and I'm like oh look at us we're so pudgy and cute and happy and it's just like so adorable we had no understanding of what was going to happen to us (laughs) it's so cute but I really love I love the sentiment of like having nostalgia for other people like I think that's like a whole nother layer of nostalgia where like especially the people that you care about the most like we're really interested in those stories and so I think that this kind of marketing technique really taps into that as well and it's so connecting like you said not only because it makes us um like think about ourselves which is always like a a rewarding dopamine thing for like human beings but Mm -hmm. I also think it like connects me back to like somebody who I don't feel like I have a lot in common with now I'll be like we had the same butterfly clips and it's just yes. like we all shopped at Limited too. <laughs> yeah, and like I, it just feels very like I, we were living shared experiences, whether we realized it or not. And it's like you get connected on a deeper level, I think, in some ways with people. That's um, very, very sweet. Yeah, absolutely. And then lastly, nostalgia marketing is a huge trend this year, especially because of the pandemic. So as we discussed earlier, nostalgia is a tool for people to cope with current hardships and change. And so while we're trapped in our home trying to survive a deadly global pandemic, what better time than the present to get lost in a box of Lucky Charms. Like, this is the perfect time (laughs) Mm -hmm. to introduce nostalgia as a form of escapism for people. It's like escapism and like you just said, like connecting to people, um, connecting to a simpler time. Yeah, it really does seem like a perfect recipe for why we're all so into it right now. And like, Mm -hmm. I think like uh, as a whole, like most millennials are 
in their 30s or like extremely close to it so we're getting to an age where I think we all felt like things would be different by now (laughs) Mm -hmm. um so yeah I think there's like also like a shift in timeline that we're all kind of feeling at once right now where it feels like we're of a different like age demographic than we have been and it feels like we're like we can't beat around the bush about being adults anymore Um, And you know what else is interesting, too, that I I didn't see anywhere but have been thinking about a lot is that we, moving into our 30s, like, have perceived buying power now. And so for (laughs) brands, they're like, okay, like, we can start to market to these people because, in theory, they have money. Little do they know, we don't have any money. Or, like, um, (laughs) very true. Like, I (laughs) – it's so funny. Um, I also think, like, a lot of, like, as they call themselves elder millennials – um, uh, like they're like, I've never, oh my God, you've never, I've heard, never that? heard that before. Oh my God. I feel like I'm on elder millennial TikTok and people are always calling themselves that, but it's people who are like 40, um, okay. who were like kind of barely, like barely millennials, um, and like born in like the late or mid eighties or whatever would count. Totally. Um, but yeah, I, I, they're, they're in theory, a lot of them are having kids. People our age are probably, I don't know who they are having kids, but like, um, you know, you want to, you're like, you're like, oh my God, Dunkaroos. I love Dunkaroos. Like I have a kid now. Like look at the snack I used to have. It's like a bonding moment with your kid and like Aww. a sharing thing with your kid. And I feel like that's also a genius slash evil marketing thing is like these people are having kids. Like they want to mm-hmm. see a remake of Space Jam, you know, like they want to watch that. Like what can we do Absolutely. that's like reliving things for them? Totally. That's such a great way to look at it. Um, yeah, and I think speaking of Space Jam, like a recent <laughs> always, study, <laughs> always speaking of Space Jam, um, a recent study showed that our entertainment choices have shown like a huge desire to seek comfort in things from the past. So we're seeing it reflected in the shows that we watch that mm-hmm. and that we stream, even in trends on TikTok. So like audio being pulled from yeah. High School Musical and like old memes mm-hmm. or like videos from Vine. Yeah. Influencers creating like slice of life content from the 90s and 2000s. Like this is all stuff that's playing into this larger narrative of us just needing a break from present day. I know. I feel like usually I watch really like fucked up stuff and the last year I as a very dark person have also had trouble doing that like not yeah. being lighthearted in what I consume so it's it is pretty fascinating yeah, it's really interesting. And and there are tons of brands doing it really right right now. I think you touched on the fashion industry specifically um, is really leaning heavily into 90s and 2000s fashion. But yeah, if I have to start showing my torso and denim drops below the belly button line again, like I'm out. I'm off the planet. Yeah, it's sorry. Gone. Bye. Yeah. Goodbye. Blast me into outer space. I don't give a fuck. (laughs) But yeah, the main takeaway here is that like consumers are craving familiarity in uncertain times. And so the big question of the day is, is nostalgia good or bad? We'll start out with the bad. So there's an important key differentiator between really light nostalgia and like full on depression. Um, There's this thing called nostalgic depression that's like a longing for the past or something you can't get back, which can lead to feeling dissatisfied with the present like you spoke about earlier. Mm -hmm. So it's that yearning or longing, but it contributes to negative emotions of like hopelessness, despair, and depression. Um, It's not classified as a subtype of depression, but these feelings can really fuel depressive feelings and behaviors. And then symptoms of this could be, you know, worrying and ruminating on the past. You might feel increased sadness or loneliness. Um, It's like that classic living in the past mindset. Totally. And then like a key difference is that depression can be you replaying the past, but it's often correlated with negative memories and associations. Whereas nostalgia, from what I found, it usually correlates to positive memories. Mm -hmm. It's like an Instagram filter or like those rose colored glasses that we were talking about. It's those fond memories that you have bouncing around your brain. Like I think when nostalgia starts to turn into comparison, like it's no longer a a positive emotion. If you're using the past to discount the present, like, Mm -hmm. that's a very bad thing. For example, boomers who don't see their future as bright because they're, like, resistant to change, Mm -hmm. that's not a positive emotion. But if you focus on the past 
in an existential way where you're like, what has my life meant? Or like, why do these moments matter? Then it could potentially benefit you. Yeah, that's a really good way of looking at it. Yeah. And then moving into the good things about nostalgia, by tapping into nostalgic thoughts, you develop a much stronger and more positive self-identity. So your life experiences can help shape your personality and like define your sense of self, which is incredible. And looking back on the past can help you realize how much you've grown over time which is a really positive feeling to have Mm -hmm. it can also help give you a life purpose so thinking about the past can actually impact the future which is a really great way to look at it as well if you think back on goals you accomplished or valuable experiences you've had you can enrich your life and build towards a larger purpose in the future I love that yeah that's like um there was that trend online recently of like Oh, like realize like that moment you realize you're like actually living out your dream because you're so caught up in the moment that you aren't really stepping back to look at yourself as like you would as a kid. And that really got me. I'm going to like start crying because I feel like I like used to love drawing. And like I feel like when I was a kid in my free time, I would like draw and watch TV and like just like that would be like my me time. And Mm -hmm. I find that I'm now like I draw and like watch TV or like listen to a podcast or like something like that. And it's what I've kind of built accidentally into a career. And like little Mm -hmm. me would be so excited about that. Like that's so sweet. (laughs) Like how fucking cool is that? I know it's so cool. And so many people like, you know, like I, I also live in like a cool place I have a great boyfriend like I have a dog that's awesome like there are so many things that I've like dreamt of for myself my whole life that they sort of gradually happen over time because you want Mm -hmm. them to um but yeah to take a moment and really be like wow these were like legit things I dreamed about absolutely yeah I totally agree it's like practicing gratitude totally um through nostalgia and like I I think some of the positive stuff nostalgia does for for me and other people I'm sure is it, it reminds you that you should you should really appreciate like the current moment you're in because someday it will be a moment you're looking back on like Mm -hmm. I like I think I've gotten a lot better at that as I move forward of like 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 when we were texting about the podcast like I thought to screenshot it because I was like someday this could be like a moment I look back on and I'm like oh my god so cute um I feel like I'm better at that kind of thing because I like uh I think nostalgically about stuff that feels like normal and like tiny decisions but like yeah as you get older it's gonna be this very quickly is gonna be a time that we all look back on and are like oh absolutely embracing the present moment knowing that it's a soon to be nostalgic moment for you Mm -hmm. and approaching it as such Mm -hmm. like I think is a really beautiful way to try to yeah and as stupid as like this whole concept of like romanticizing your life can be and I want to roll my eyes at it it is like a very sweet and valuable way to kind of think of yourself and I think you did a good job explaining the differences between being like caught up in comparison or like narcissism versus like a valuable reframe. Um, so mm-hmm. there's definitely a balance, but yeah, I, I, I think for me in a lot of ways, it's valuable. Absolutely. So in case I sweat to death right now, Sarah, I love you. I love our <laughs> podcast. I'm having so much fun. Me too. <laughs> Recording live from a basement in a closet and I am having the best the time. Best time. Oh, my God. But, yeah, so uh, basically to wrap this up, like, is it a good or a bad thing? Unfortunately, Dana, it's kind of both. Isn't everything. I know, right? It's a little (laughs) bit of both. Unfortunately, it's like comfort food in a way. Like, it can make you feel full and happy and, like, safe. Mm -hmm. But if you're pounding your mom's chicken parm, like, day in, day out, like, that can be bad. Right. You're not, like, just covering up a wound instead of actually dealing with what you're trying to get to exactly and so there is this doctor dr constantine that says you should try to experience positive nostalgia two to three times a week which i think is very funny um to try to count the times because for me i want to know like how many minutes that equates to because like if you're like me when i'm thinking about high school like that could very quickly turn into like an hour or two of my day (laughs) yeah also what I feel like so much of this is just kind of like thoughts floating around in my dumb little noggin like how am I supposed to note when this is happening I guess maybe they're just saying be more aware of it and I think they're also saying like 
incorporate it almost as like a meditation or like mindful moment mm-hmm. where like you're sitting down and you're reflecting on something that happened that's a positive experience mm-hmm. and you're doing that two to three times a week. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, like if you find your mind wandering and feeling the feelings like you'd rather not, focus on the present through mindfulness, um, not as an avoidance technique, but rather as a means of being grateful for the present moment. So practice gratitude and try to reframe your perspective. Also, if you're subject to blowing through your paycheck, like due to nostalgic (laughs) marketing, like pause before you buy, like pump the brakes, think about why you're adding it to cart. Like, is this actually useful in your life now? Does it spark joy for you? Like, Mm -hmm. is that joy worth the amount of money you're going to spend on it? Or are you like projecting your own memories and perception of happiness onto an object? Like, wait a day. Such a good point. Yeah, totally. The best way to fight nostalgia and live your life in a forward trajectory is to keep having new experiences. So seek out fulfilling new relationships and create and curate soon-to-be nostalgic memories. Mm -hmm. This is called anticipatory nostalgia and is relatively new in terms of research, but what it's getting at is that it's never too late to try and find new joys in your life to soften the domination of those nostalgic memories and thoughts. So if we appreciate the past, while building our future, mm-hmm. we're going to constantly be adding to our lives rather than living totally. in the past. Totally. And I think everyone being, like, stuck inside and not able to meet people and feeling, like, trapped is probably adding all the more – like, we're not experiencing new things. So it's yep. – we're all the more, like, sucked into the past. And, yeah, hopefully – God fucking willing. <laughs> we'll have yeah. the chance to do more new shit soon. If people just get vaccinated. <laughs> please, please. Please, please help. I just wanted to give one final shout out to all of the incredible sources I used to collect the info on this topic. There were three really great TED Talks um, by Clay Routledge, Elena Carrera, and Stacy Wagner. Um, there was a headline article medically reviewed by Matthew Boland and written by Crystal Raypole. Uh, a New York Times article by John Tierney, an article in The Atlantic by Julie Beck, a Mashable article by Mark Kaufman, a lovely Forbes article about millennials by Lauren Friedman, and lastly, an article about 2021 marketing trends by Marilyn Wilkinson. So thank you to all of those lovely people. Um, I will eat some Dunkaroos on your behalf. Oh, God, I can't wait. Oh, hello there. Oh, who? Who's this? Oh my gosh. I never pick up my phone. I'm too afraid. (laughs) Uh, We don't have ads yet, but here's another one of those silly little things reminding you to email us at your own risk, the pod at gmail.com. Yeah. You know what sucks? Phone calls. You know what's better? Emails. Is it? No, but it's slightly better. Little bit. We want to hear from you. We want to hear risks you've taken, risks you want to take and you're scared to take. People you want to lift up and praise and give a little shout out to. Uh, maybe even do that for yourself. Absolutely. We also want to hear if you have any uh, juicy I Survived style stories that uh, we can uh, read on the podcast and get more scared about. Yes, hit us up ASAP. We don't have a coupon code. Love you. Bye. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sarah. I really loved hearing about this. I feel like not only is it, uh, for lack of a better word, like trendy right now, but yeah, I think like understanding why you're you want to buy the shirt or why this TikTok trend is like so funny to you, or you know, like <laughs> just taking a moment to to just kind of reflect and and reframe is really helpful and can get you out of the sort of negative stuff that you mentioned for for this kind of mentality. I I really like that. I I really love the reframe. Reframe. Um yeah, it's it was really fun to research and definitely something that I've been super curious about. Mm-hmm. So I love this. Well, I would like to have a, a call to action for our followers. I um would really love to see like uh embarrassing pics of you. I want you to post them and tag uh send them to us in our DMs. Um yes. if you also have like uh listener write-ins of like embarrassing stories from your childhood or um maybe like uh uh, um, nostalgia gone wrong <laughs> in your adulthood. Um, I I'm like all ears. I think we could really we could really dive into some nostalgia in our next next listener episode. Um, yes, but please. I, I love that. I I think it's just. Um, I also for me it's like I I just like crave that moment when someone reminds you of something that you like totally forgot about. 
Um, yes. And you're just like, oh my fucking God, I f- fucking forgot all about that. That is so funny. Um, yes, like totally uncovering like repressed childhood yeah, memories yeah, where you're like, totally. oh my God, yes, like my Furby did turn on in the middle of the night and <laughs> made me think that my room was haunted and then, uh, yes. but I love it. But anyway, to keep the good vibes going, um, let's talk about something we're proud of that we did this week. I can kick us off. Yeah, please do. So like I said, I was on the East Coast visiting family. There was a wedding that I was going to that had actually been postponed because of the pandemic. They had gotten married um, in like a private ceremony in their backyard and then saved the celebration for now. So I went home for that and um, I traveled alone. This was the first time I've traveled alone (gasps) in a really long time. And the last time I flew, it was like, Super traumatic. We almost missed our flight. I've, that's never happened to me before. But like the, you know, I was, they moved our flight up and I had trouble going through airport security and it was like a huge clusterfuck. And I was just really proud of myself this time to be traveling alone. And like I slept on the red eye, which was wild. And then on my way back, Dana knows this, but I got trapped at the Detroit airport overnight because I missed my connection because of, um, weather Mm -hmm. and I actually like made it fun like I took a ton of videos I listened to audiobooks and like just embraced like not having to go anywhere or do anything right just being trapped I just had like a couple cocktails and like hung out in the airport and like tried to find a fun place to sleep and like explored (laughs) all the shops where did you sleep I slept I I took a picture I'll share it with you but I slept in this corner I found a perfect chair that like didn't have any crumbs or like sticky stuff on it (laughs) and I bought this like I got a little drunk and then bought this really sick neck pillow that had to be like the Maserati of like neck pillows and I just like kind of sat upright and then I laid on the floor for a bit did some yoga like I had a great time nice (laughs) and I was just really proud of myself for like I did have like a moment where I cried but to have called Joe and called my family and been like this is happening and there's nothing I can do about it and just embraced Mm -hmm. it like I was just really proud of myself. Oh that is really nice. I feel like it's really hard for you sometimes so I'm really proud of you for that. Yeah it was super spooky but um, I know also kind of fun. I know (laughs) I mean like yeah I think like a lot of people like you and me included it's like when you lose control it's really scary it's hard to not react with big bad feelings um when things don't go your way um but yeah those moments where things like really don't go your way are almost good practice to to handle it well um and it is really satisfying when you do so I'm very proud of you because it can be really fun I love a shipwreck memory um all right what am I proud of so we haven't actually like recorded in a long time so a lot of crazy shit has happened or wacky shit has happened Mm -hmm. I feel like in the last like month or so um but what came to mind quickly after I had a moment to think was (laughs) um (laughs) I went to that wedding that we talked about um and then afterwards uh it was like my college roommate was getting married and then afterwards um like my kind of core group of like college friends um, we all went uh, and we rented a house like a little bit away, like upstate New York um, at, near the wedding venue. And we all like took the week off and just hung out with each other, which we haven't really done. Like, I don't know that I've spent like a week with them since we all like lived in the same place, which was like mm-hmm. nearly a decade ago. Um, and yeah, it was just very um, it was such a good reminder. And I was very proud of myself for like the effort I've put into surrounding myself with good people and maintaining like important female friendships. Um, Mm -hmm. And just like my friends have all grown into such cool people and are all just, I'm just really proud of them and very proud of myself for knowing them. And it was like a very, it was just really fun. And like, talk about nostalgia. It was just like (laughs) such a good like blast from the past, like time to really hang out. And we all keep in touch like on the daily, but um, it was really nice to just have like some like low key time with really good friends, which I don't feel like you get as an adult very often. Mm-hmm. Um, where like we weren't working, we didn't have to cram everything into a weekend. We had like a whole week where we could, you know, really take our time to just kind of casually enjoy each other's company. Um, yeah, like there and, wasn't as much pressure because yeah, you had more time. Yeah, totally. And it was, yeah, it was just really lovely. And I'm really glad we did it. And I just like, they're just the best. And I just feel very proud of myself that I managed to weasel my way into such an awesome <laughs> like friend group um and yeah I just 
I'm feeling very like light after doing that. It was really a lovely, like just a, a lovely time well spent. Aww. Um, I was also talking to one of my friend's boyfriends pretty in depth about, we got very into this conversation, um, but about <laughs> uh, like uh, how no one really warns you about how like traumatizing it is to leave your friends that you've either like a group of friends like when you like graduate whether it's like high school or college or like if you get close to people you work with or if you move cities across the country hypothetically (laughs) um yeah like it's it's very traumatizing to have that kind of ripped out from under you um in particular we were talking about college like having a really core group of people that you live with and spend every day with and you're all moving at kind of the same pace and then you graduate and like it's very no one really prepares you for it I really I guess I don't know how they would but I just feel like it's not talked about a ton just like how how lonely and scary it is to have your support system you know be doing their own thing um or like you're doing your own thing and everyone's kind of growing in different ways and and paces um and yeah, it's like really a lot. Um, so hold your friends close. <laughs> hold your friends close and your dunkaroos closer. <laughs> okay, we have to end on that. All right. There's absolutely nothing else I want to say. <laughs> well, this has been so fun. Um, thanks, as always, for living, laughing, and listening at your own risk. See you, See you next, next Tuesday. Tuesday. Love you. Bye.